Trisden here with the Extreme Common Sense Podcast, thanking our friends at Berea Pond. We could not do the podcast without the generous support from Aaron and Robin at Berea Pond. And also, my house wouldn't have nearly as much cool stuff without all the items at Berea Pond. So when you're ready for your next furniture, gun, ammo, pallet, they have so much cool stuff, you're not ever going to regret going to Berea Pond. That's Berea Pond at 107 Clay Drive in the old IGA building across from near New Auto Center. Don't miss out. If you're from the area, you got to get into Berea Pond. We are Trisden and Ray. Having lived and spent time on the coasts and in rural Appalachia, we feel like we have a unique perspective on most topics. Working to find the common sense middle in a country becoming more and more polarized. Welcome to Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. New intro today. How about that? Yes. It's great. Yeah. I, I like it. I, yeah, I, we'll see. I think the problem with these intros is you love them and then you hear them a hundred times and you're like, man, I got to change that. So A hundred times. How about that? Tell us. It's our 100th episode. Can I hit this? Yeah, about that. We both. A hundred effing episodes. Who would have thought we would do 100 episodes? And cu- No one. And kudos to you, um, because I really haven't kept track of that. You mentioned it to me. And I would say a hundred episodes, at least four were okay. <laughs> at least. I, I think four. Yeah, at least four. I'm going four. But but I would th- I'll throw this out there. I'd say at least 40 of them were average. So yes, yeah, that's pretty good. And podcasting is like opening restaurants, Driz, and I know you know this. Like eighty percent of restaurants close, and I th- I think that is actually based on uh, mom and pops. Like franchises, you got the backing of the franchise; it's kind sure. of a no brainer. But it, like eighty percent of mom and pop restaurants close. About eighty percent of podcasts don't make. I think a year don't make fifty. Oh, podcasts. I would say I would have thought maybe higher, higher than that. A hundred, man. Here hey, we're shaking. We're shaking hands. Congratulations! It's pretty good. That is pretty good. Don't know how many listeners. Don't know how many people care. Don't know if any of them are good, but. Uh, hundred effing times we've sat down at these mics. Yeah, how about that? So, that's pretty cool. I'll take it. That, that's Absolutely. pretty good. Yeah, yeah that is a, good. It's a lot of shows. It's a lot of shows. It really is. With no topics. <laughs> it's like Seinfeld on steroids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but to tell, you know, to tell a, a family secret, Triz and I were chatting a little bit just before the show started, and, and, and I said, maybe it's time to revisit, because... You know, we listen back to shows. I think our thought was we were going to be these two moderate guys who were going to draw p- people together, and and we were going to um, and have these long topics on uh, or long discussions on a single topic, and and that was kind of Tristan's take. And I said, well, I'm to blame for that because I'm, <laughs> you know, it's stream of consciousness. I, I have ADD when it comes to uh, politics because I'm in 18 different directions. So I think the shows get a little scatter shot because of me, but they're honest. I mean, it's just the two of us talking. It's not scripted. Yeah, and I definitely feel like you're getting at least a real conversation. There's not a lot of, you know, parsing of words to make sure we don't say the wrong thing, obviously. Yeah. Well, yes, you've accused so me. If it's, so if you like... You, you've if accused me of some racial insensitivity. <laughs> if you're a bit of a voyeur and you like listening to two people try to be as honest as possible, well, you're definitely you're, getting that. Uh, uh, come for the racism, stay for the uh, misogyny or whatever. <laughs> Transphobia. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, that's us. And, and and you know what? I think to your credit, I, I, I don't think either one of us are... Well, I know we're not racist. And I think that to have these open, frank conversations about stuff like that and admit... 
we probably all have shortcomings and things that we do need to work on. For I, me, I it's Jews, but go on. I, don't I know it? <laughs> but but I think it is nice to be able to try to recognize your own, um, you know, where you fall short and say, man, I could be better with that. And I don't, I don't think most people are doing that. I think most people are very quick to say, I'm right and screw you. And they're not trying to self-evaluate and be better. Well, here we go. Ten minutes or less into the hundredth show. Isn't that? And, and, and again, we've asked the question a million times, but I don't know. There may be a million different answers, but isn't that Trump's appeal that he has allowed people to say, just stay in that bubble. Don't worry about the other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you don't care about the other. Screw the other. And that's got to be a nice place to be right. To not question yourself and just say, fuck it. I'm right. Fuck it. I'm the guy. And don't worry about anything else. There's some comfort there. Like I always say for for my deeply religious folks, there's a huge comfort in just saying, well, this is the worst day ever. I got a cancer diagnosis. Oh, I don't care. I'm going to turn that over to God. 100%. I, you know, would pay all the money in the world to be able to to somehow find that, right? I like almost marvel at it. It's one would be a wonderful way to go through life and have total respect for it. Completely. I just wish I could get it. Yeah. Yeah. Or um to be a little less politically correct that they those folks would have some respect for you're not getting it. There's not a overabundance of that no (laughs) like if we're completely tolerant of your christianity can you give us a little tolerance on our doubt yeah and and you know i've got friends that are pastors and you know i think everybody in a quiet moment will say man i've had all kinds of doubt and of course i question this now i don't know that that's necessarily the thing they're going to go public with or they're talking about in sunday you know youth group well that's what's called the mystery of the faith yeah you know you commit to it and yeah yeah i I, like you I, i i uh, well, not like you. I grew up Catholic, but having grown up Catholic for me, it was mostly priests. But I've befriended any number of pastors here. Uh, one who comes to mind is Bill Young, who um, Patty and I decided we'd like to bring the kids up with some religion, which it would have been the Catholic Church. But my wife hates the Catholics. Really? Oh, man. She was raised by a mother whose brother-in-law was a priest. So my father's brother was a priest and really did make my mother-in-law's life miserable. I will, I will nod to her on that because... Yeah. She was not Catholic. And those 1940 and 50 Catholics, man, they didn't play, Trisna. If if you weren't Catholic, you were lesser. Yeah. I saw that with my own dad. Well, they said they're so bad they wouldn't even molest you if you weren't the same religion. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, it's Christmas. You had to go there. So you would actually have to switch religions just to get molested. (laughs) It was a hard time. But he married out of the faith, if you will. He married a Protestant. And that Irish Catholic, that Polish Catholic, stubborn Polak family who had a brother who was a priest, Uncle Fritz, who ironically passed away the year I met my wife, so I never met him, made my mother-in-law's life miserable, so she raised her kids, those GD Catholics, so, so Patty was having none of the Catholic Church, yeah. so we went to the Episcopalian Church just to bring, I'm sorry, the Presbyterian Church, just to bring uh, our kids up with some religion, and, and uh, Bill Young was the pastor there, now deceased, and he was exactly that guy. I remember having a co- very bright man, and he said, uh, yes, I have down all the time. I, I th- I'm trying to think, the way he put it was great. You, uh, uh, Belief in religion is a belief in things that you would otherwise doubt but you have to give to them. You just kind of have to give into it. Yeah, and that's, the I guess, the whole deal, right, is like even when it starts to feel like, man, there's no way this can be right, your faith just has to continue to move you in that direction, whereas I think some of us, unfortunately, you get to that point and you're moved in the other direction. It feels like there's just too many reasons 
to not go in that direction Bill based Maher. on fact. I mean, hasn't yeah. Bill Maher made that his cause celeb? you got to give this guy credit, Tristan. Two things that he, two issues that have been prominent in his life for as long as I've been following Maher, and that's now 30-plus years, are legalization of weed, which is happening now. I yep. think it's 26 states, so it's more than half wow. the states. Yeah. And, of course, it's the South that isn't on board, right? No doubt. And uh, uh, atheism slash antagon- and, 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 uh, agnostics. Yeah. Um, I believe, don't quote me on it, but I think reading this, if you took a poll in the 1970s, it was 95, 90% of Americans were with some religious belief, 10% yeah. questioning. That's risen to about 40% now. Wow. And Mar has been out front. I mean, he, he pulls no punches when it comes to his disbelief in faith, right? Right. And religion. Yeah. And, you know, and I think you're just going to see those numbers continue to drop in consistent religious folks because I think the more information we get and the more access to information science. we get and, you know, yeah, the, the way the science goes, it tends to lead certain folks in the other direction, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on what you think of it. Now, does Mark come across as dismissive and arrogant in that approach with some? Oh, of course. Yeah. And and I think the leaders on both sides probably, you, you find a lot of arrogance and these morons that think this other way, depending on whether they're Christian or not. But And you wish that some of these guys were a little less antagonistic in their approach. Yes. But, you know. The non-believers? They, right. Yeah. But with strong beliefs come, I guess, Strong ideology. Yeah, there you go. And so back to this show now in its 100th episode. Kudos to us, breaking my arm, patting (laughs) myself on the back. That is where we've tried to find a lane, which is to say that, look, we, my neighbor across the street who has his license plate and one Bible is a wonderful person. I I don't agree with him on very much, Tristan. We we just don't agree on a whole lot. Doesn't make Richard a bad person. He, 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 I trust him with a thousand dollars. I'd, I'd, you know, my mail, my cat, whatever it is. Uh, I don't know you want to go so far as to say your life, but you know, he's just a very wholesome, good person. Now, I wish he didn't proselytize. Is that the word? Help me out. Thank you. Quite as much as he does. You know, you can't talk to Richard without Jesus or God being mentioned 15 times in a sentence, but it doesn't make him a bad person. Um, at the same time, Mars entitled to his view, and he's probably more arrogant, certainly more arrogant than is Richard, but I don't think Bill Maher at his core is a bad person. And I think that's all Tristan and I have tried to do is say, you know, extreme common sense. Where, where do we get these disparate groups together? And golly, man. Even though we're in a hundred show, it's more divided now than even two years ago when we started. It does feel like it's not going in the right direction. Right. But and and to that point, I think um, speak, understatement. Speaking about you know religion, I feel like most atheists and agnostics and you know folks questioning or struggling, I feel like they still are very accepting of the church. It's very easy to find the positive things that the church does and say, look, I don't get it. I think this is wrong. It's not for me or my family, whatever, but I get it and I'm fine with it. Now I'd say that doesn't necessarily go the other way. It does not. I mean, I think the other opposing view is you godless whores, you know, it's, it's, there's definitely like, you feel like they look at you as though you cannot be a morally valid person unless you worship and in the way they do. And I've found, you know, and again, this is where our history on the coasts and, you know, not just being raised here in Appalachia, I'm sure some of the best folks you know don't have God in their life, and some of the best folks I know don't. Now, does that mean that there's also not the other side, where a lot of wonderful people are in church every Sunday, praise be? Yes. 
But yeah, it would be nice if the folks who were at church every Sunday would say, look, these folks can be wonderful, and they are wonderful. And I'm not sure. I think you're 100% right. And I'm not sure how that doesn't come off offensive to uh, to people of faith and also, let's be fair now, to, to MAGA folks, because isn't that the whole thing? Okay, so I think what you just said was people of faith have a very, very difficult time accepting those not of faith. Those not of faith are open to say, man, do what you do with your Sunday morning. If, if that faith, we just said it, you and I did it. I don't think we are. The, the, I know that neither of us are regular churchgoers. I think I'm a spiritual person, but I, that's always a little cliched. So let me get back to the point. People of faith struggle with people, mightily struggle with people who don't have faith. People who don't have faith are very accepting and say, go do your thing. Just don't preach to me about it. Could you do me that favor? Sure. That is a difference, right? That's a distinction with a difference. Yeah. Yeah, I was walking my neighborhood. A lot of my stories start with I was walking the Thank neighborhood. You. But a lady ran out, and she's done this to me before. And again, no no issue with this. She runs out of her house, probably 70 years old, to say, hey. Running? God bless her. I know. I could run I mean, right now at 63. sprinted out of her house, man. And she was like, hey, I just saw you guys walking. I've got to invite you and your wife to church this Sunday. Oh, wow. And, you know, that's where I grew up with that in a time in very, very rural Virginia that, man, you'd get that three times a week. That's where I, that's Every wild. time. It's, now, there's a cultural difference, Tristan. Yes. Not a lot of that in Jersey. Not a lot in California. Right. That is a cultural difference. <laughs> yes. but So I grew up with that, and I'm familiar with that. And I always feel like this is somebody that believes with all her heart she's trying to save me from an eternity exactly. burning in hell, exactly. that's a nice thing to do. Right. You know, thank you. I would never be offended by that. Right. But imagine if somebody saw her at the store and said, I'd like to, I'm Ronald Reagan Jr., and I would like <laughs> to invite you to not be. And I'm not scared of hell. <laughs> right. Like, that would be a very offensive moment. That lady would not be happy. I think you are 100% correct. If somebody disagrees, please come on and show us where, our wrong, where we're wrong. And Tristan, I think that also um, uh, applies, I was going to say supplies, to Left-right politics. Now, now the right will tell you that the left is these, but it's not really that way in practicality. I watch Fox News, and I see a very narrow view. I watch some more progressive folks, and they're kind of the same way that you just describe religion. You know? Yeah. They don't hate family values. They don't hate, you know, they're just, you know, they're accepting of things. Right. But I, they've got a more progressive view. Yeah, and, and I think you'll see that throughout because it definitely feels like the democratic tent is certainly open for more people that are probably culturally different than what would be considered the norm or what would have been considered the norm 20 years ago. So yeah, you probably don't see as much of that on the right as, oh, come on in. We don't care who you believe in or who you're sleeping with. We just want your vote. Whereas the Democrats, there's certainly a lot more acceptance. I mean, there seems to be. I mean, go back to my buddy Rush. I mean, I, again, I always bring him up because I think he's very instrumental, him and Roger Ailes, in, in some ways bringing us to this place. Now, a lot of it started, you know, the year of your birth, 1980. I often reference, Memory. yeah, I often reference 1960 because I think if you look at that lifespan, the year I was born through today, the enormous changes, largely progressive changes, which I think we're seeing a backlash to now and have for some time, but it's really manifesting. But if you go back to 80 and Reagan's election, it did usher in a very conservative time. It made people comfortable with views that progressives didn't necessarily like. And I think guys like Limbaugh and Ailes Trisden saw their lane. They said, oh, fuck, we have people that we can appeal to here with making fun of 
feminism, making yeah. fun of homosexuality. You know, the transgender issue wasn't even on the table yet in the 80s. Making fun of a lot of things that, let's be honest, white Christian America was laughing with them. Right. They didn't like homosexuals. They didn't like feminist women. They didn't, you know, and so Limbaugh found that, man. Yeah. And then Ailes started Fox, and it's gone from there. And now it's really polarized. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great observation, 100%. I remember working uh, before Kelly up at um, uh, uh, Lynn Martin's place, WLXG, who initially, before Clear Channel got Limbaugh, carried him, which was a big score. And they used to have the rush rooms, and he would send merchandise. And it was uh, the feminazis oh, and yeah. don't let them get you and all this <laughs> fucking bullshit in the early 90s that yeah. he was just hitting it heavy. Now, who was that appealing to? We want to talk about all this shit being new. That was 1990, for God's right. sakes. Yeah. And it was the feminazis. They're coming to get you. And, and who was that appealing to? The, the Yeah, Christian, white, <laughs> lower, middle class folks. I think so. Yeah. Which now has bubbled up and, and continued. You had the Tea Party and now MAGA. Isn't that all of a set, all of the same mindset? Yeah, it definitely feels like that is the, the spawn and the birth of that movement. And it just, you know, it, those folks, those types of folks are, are not interested in finding some middle ground and they don't want to get along, right? Like this is doesn't seem like it. our way and go fuck yourself. Yeah, and now it sounds like we're picking on them and we try and be moderate. But I, Last I, week I went pretty right, so today... Well, no. but I'm... I, again, I'm saying whoever finds fault in that, please come up these steps, join us in this 98-degree uh, attic. <laughs> we'll give you a microphone and you tell us what we miss in that observation. I think what Tristan said before is just dead on with religious folks and, and then also left-right politics. I, I mean, now, I guess you could bring a conservative up who would say, oh, you miss it, you... You know, you don't understand anything about Trump's appeal. You don't understand who these people are that that he's standing up for and what they feel he's saying for them. And, and, and maybe there's a blind spot there. Maybe that's true. Yeah, I don't disagree. And look, I like the two party system. I, I I'm you know, I like Republicans. I firmly believe there's a point in time where now the version of the Republican Party we're seeing right now with MAGA and stuff. I'm you know not necessarily behind that. No. But there are times socially where it's like. Some of the things they want to rein in the left on is is more common sense school, and you can say, okay, I kind of get that. Maybe we're going too far. Sure. I mean, if you know, if the Republicans are saying sometimes, like, you know, under normal circumstances, we don't need abortions at nine months. Look, I get that, sure. and that's pretty fair. And I don't uh, think anybody on the left is really advocating to that. That's more of a straw man argument. Some, some crazy extreme, but people, again, but not us. But there are points and times where you know you do need some some right-wing ideology to come in and say, okay, Absolutely. we do have to have limits on some of these That's things. Right. I, I get it. But the problem is, is yes, it, it, where it stands now, it's just like we're hating each other as Americans for thinking differently. And that feels new. Maybe it was like that in the civil war and, and other times throughout American history, but it, it definitely feels like the vitriol that some of the rush and the MAGA and some of the chanting and lock her up and these people are evil and screw the media and that type of thing. It, it feels new and very excessive because, I mean, I, you know, I grew up having all kinds of political debates and discussions with friends smarter and dumber than myself and, you know, ultimately just trying to learn. But it was never encased in the vitriol that you see. Now, we invite Aaron up and, and, and we invite um, our Tony, Tony Perkins, from we yeah, do epoxy up. Conservative, sure. And we will have a good normal conversation. So maybe this is based on the internet and, and yes. a lot of Twitter and stuff that you see like that. But it does 
it feels like there's a whole shitload more anger and like these idiots as opposed to, well, we're going to disagree on abortion because of my faith, but you know, he's a good guy. We can go grab a beer. And it feels like that's been less easy amped to up. do. Amped up. Certainly amped up. Yeah. So, social media, 24 hour, you know, you always go to social media because you're younger than me and you understand it. I mentioned the 24 hour news cycle, which, you know, you have to um, consider too, which predates social media and then you know right-wing talk radio which you know how about this big uh, hubbub i mean it's your business man about am you know this is a, this oh, is yeah. a conspiracy to take am out because am radio is basically the home of right-wingers and right. you know they don't want people in evs listening to i mean jesus christ is everything a conspiracy it does feel like everybody feels like i don't know about everybody but there's a big portion <laughs> of, of americans that feel like everything is I'm like Not the least conspiratorial seems. person. The world divides into conspiratorial or chaos, conspiracy or chaos. And I think shit happens and then we react to it. And there's example after example after example. Well, I think the problem is, is probably of every everything that's a conspiracy theory, like one out of 100 of those things are probably exactly right. 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 But the problem is you can't believe the other 99 right. to, to get that one. Right. And what is going to lead you to figure out what the one is? So you look mm. like a psychopath <laughs> believing all of them because one of them is real. So. All right, brother, you've got some notes just like Greg Gutfeld. You've still been watching him? <laughs> yeah. I, it's I, like I, a fucking train wreck. You can't get away, right? It really, it sucks Is you the blonde in. chick growing on you? Now, I got a guy <laughs> I work with who says, man, you're, you're way off. She's hot. I'm like, she, hot? And she needs to eat something, right? Like, she's, <laughs> she, well, you know what? She's makeuped up and, you know, yeah. made for well, TV. I've, heard, I've actually heard her say that. Please don't think I look like this. Yeah. It's yeah. just an odd show because it's just, uh, well, it it's weird. sort of a show about nothing. It's kind of what we do. Kind of. And he's, you know. Again, I think if you found yourself in his company, you wouldn't find a bad guy. He's sometimes self-effacing. Uh, so he's he, – all right, so they're changing their lineup on Fox. Right, I, I think it's uh, instead of 11. Yeah, I can't remember who's doing seven. Jesse Waters is now at eight. I think Hannity remains at nine. Gun, Gutfeld is uh, is doing 10 o'clock now. Right. So I saw a promo on Fox, and Water mentioned something. And, boy, man, he's annoying, that kid. Talk about somebody full of himself. Jesse Waters, oh, you know yeah. him? Yeah. Good Christ. Yeah. At least Hannity – <laughs> at least with Hannity, you sort of know he's sort of acting. Right. Like, if you meet him at the fence, he's not that <laughs> asshole he plays on TV. Right. That's what was so funny about Colbert, because he was spoofing those guys. Right. O'Reilly. Yeah. But Gutfeld's line was, uh, Greg Gutfeld, this close to actual entertainment. <laughs> I mean, that's not bad. No, no. You know, and, that was him saying that about himself. And he is self-effacing. And, yeah. you know, and he picks on a lot of the Fox News folks he on does. the show. Like, he absolutely does. He gives does. them a lot of shit. He which does. Is, you do appreciate which what was it, the old Letterman thing, Tris. Right. L that was yes. Letterman's oh. uh, uh, stock and trade. It was Les Moonves and every night. Yes. For, for day. Right, right, right. And and so you got to give him that. I like that. That's funny. Yeah. No, and there are things about the show, but the problem See, is... See, we've been watching long enough. We're starting to like oh, it, man. Oh, God, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, but again, I think the overall topics, they're never going to take on anything in the right-wing media that needs review, right? Like right. It's, and it's mostly things on the left that they're going to find mm -hmm. that they're just able to completely pile on it's it's right but again i guess the folks that are tuning in don't want to think they don't want to <laughs> well, like, you're not tuning in tune to, in to gut felt to, you don't have to think to tune in to learn about <laughs> politics right like it's i want to feel what i already feel i want to pile on and maybe giggle twice in this hour there you so, go so but again i just it's I, not very serious you do feel that like that's disingenuous though it to present everything in this Democrats are stupid idiots and uh, Republicans are, you know, the brilliant. Joe is completely that, addled. Sure. Joe, Joe is. Yeah. I mean, that plays into that stereotype <laughs> yeah. and never deviates. And there's so much of that. It's oh, my just, God. You know, it's, so it, it, as somebody 
toward the middle. Like if a Colbert did that, it would be hard to watch yes. if it was just constantly. Because, I mean, you do see when there was network late night shows, they would still make fun of Biden. And it is sure. still late night talk where 100%. they, you know, they take on the establishment as opposed to just yeah, just adult Hunter Biden and yes. Joe Biden. So. Exactly right. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, unless it's being done as satire, as Colbert sure. did. Yeah, that was a funny show because he <laughs> was, was playing a role. Yeah, yeah, a role that was easily satirized, and now Gutfeld has become that guy. Yeah. All right, so you got some notes, man. What you got? Um. Well, I thought hundredth episode best yes. best and worst moments of uh, of the top hundred. Do you have anything that comes <laughs> I guess to mind? For me, would be you know my racist slurs, my <laughs> homophobic slurs, my so I got some right winger in me. Um. I mean, you remind me of this, Troy. You have done enough editing i don't know i i don't think i'm a bad guy but you know i've probably said i'm a middle-aged i guess i'm not middle-aged i'm a seasoned uh middle-class white guy grew up on 100 percent white town what the hell you expect well and you're not dropping the n-word and i don't feel like you look at i do not drop the n-word i will say that i feel like your definition well of no you, I'm how you are maybe a little deeper than what i would consider i would be hard for me to do a show with you i thought if i thought you were like a klansman over here we we couldn't have those types of conversations but yeah it is good to learn and, and discuss race and try to find out you know our own biases because again i don't think that's something anybody's doing nobody's doing it on air for public consumption to sit back as white guys and, no, and, man, and, and I, evaluate ourselves in that way you know on a serious note I, I find that so interesting i always go back to bill bradley running in 84 88 somewhere back in there for president you know, Senator from New Jersey, and when he asked the question, and I've never forgotten, when is the last time you had a conversation about race with someone from another race? Which is just great, man. Yeah. And I, you know, and, I, and I'm sure there are times where I've engaged some black acquaintances, friends, and, and they're probably like, oh, fuck, another white guy asking me. I think, you know, <laughs> Chappelle and, and uh, Martin Lawrence and people like that have spoofed that. Yeah. But I am interested because it's a world that I don't know. Right. And, and I, it's a world that I don't know. There's, you know, uh, the, my gay friends, whenever I have a conversation and I know they're like, God damn, why are you asking these questions? Like, but again, if you don't talk to your friends that aren't like you and say, man, tell me this, how should I understand this? And what does this mean? Like, when are you going to learn? And why would people assume? And I think, you know, it's, I admire it, but you know, I don't want to break myself, break my arm, patting myself on the back, but I do want to learn to understand folks that are different than me. So yeah, if, when I have a opportunity to chat with a gay friend or a black friend or somebody of a different religion, one of my favorite things about Berea College was the fact that it was so diverse and you could talk sure. to your friend in Sri Lanka about the civil war going on. And you know, it's just amazing, you know, at that time, a hundred years ago, but it is amazing to be able to, to learn about people other than yourself and how are you going to learn if you don't have those types of conversations john revere was a coach here at eastern for 20 years john is a wonderful man african-american uh, all-american football player uh, from ohio who's a few years older than me he went to ohio state on a scholarship in 1974 or five and was there at the same time uh, as a fellow named archie griffin and archie is the only two-time heisman trophy winner in the history of the trophy and ironically he didn't have a great professional career but one of the probably the greatest college football player to ever play so coach Rivera was like hmm probably not going to get playing time so he wound up down at eastern where he was an all-american running back just before roy kid's great years and then spent his life coaching his son ben played 10 years of major league baseball 
for the Phillies and Twins, so Lexington Catholic, yeah. Ben Revere. Nice. So I've gotten to know Coach, gotten to know John very well because he and his wife in their retirement have a cleaning business, so he's in Galaxy. Typically early That's mornings, awesome. but I'll occasionally... Ben ever come by? He's just a wonderful man. I haven't, well, I, I've met Ben because of Lexington Catholic and Madison Central, but I, I've never spoken with him. Yeah. But Coach Revere is just an entertaining man, just a good guy, good Christian man, but in the best way, right? Told me this story the other day about going to a track meet in Ohio where his two grandchildren, his other son, not Ben, but his son JC's kids are, um, are running track. And it's exactly how he said it. And, and I'll take, some, I'll take some, some, I don't know, kudos in this because he was like, hey, you know what, Ray, I can tell you this. I figured, okay. He said, we were up there, man. He said, now you got to imagine, this is a track meet of, in Ohio of, of you know, top high school athletes. There's a lot of African-Americans. And this is John, a black man, telling me this. He says, there's a lot of African-Americans, and I'm there with my son. And we see this six-foot-three white boy come walking in, and we watch him run the hunt. Turned out he ran the 100, the 200. He didn't just run. He won the 100, 200, and 800. The 100 and the 800 were one day, and the 200 was the next day. He said... This boy's got his hair in cornrows. And I turned to my son and I said, oh, there's a little something in that wood pile. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, you know, just what white guys would say. You know, they were having fun. And I thought, absolutely, you can tell me that story. It's an honest story. It's great. No, no way this white kid is beating all these black kids if there ain't somebody down the line that injected some of that speed. Well, and. To go back to our prior topic, talking about some of these (laughs) touchy issues like race, there's a lot of value to be a guy Ben's dad's age and your age to sit back and you're not fucking worried about everything making somebody judge you and everything's so offensive to everybody. And nobody's offended by that. Like, because you get what that guy's saying that, hey, he's probably got some, you know, (laughs) no, probably, again, not something you could come on as a white guy and say (laughs) on the air, of course. (laughs) But there's so much value in being able to have a frank conversation. It was just with, honest. With it was the, so great. Uh, right. With your friends yeah. and not having to deal with everything that goes on with cancel culture in <laughs> right. 2023. Exactly. So that, that's a wonderful story. Yeah, and you're 100% right. It was he and I on a quiet Sunday morning, and, and he sort of thought, he said, that's exactly how I preface it. I guess I can tell you this. So him and his son were kind of like, hey, this fucking right. white kid. Holy yeah. cow. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. But it's nice to talk about race and not have to worry about constantly saying the wrong yes. thing. Yes. And be able to, yes. you know. Right. And, right. and again, I think I made the point recently that I think the more you do that, the more you realize how much we all have in common, right? Yes. So yes. We, can, we all have a sense of humor and can yes. can take a little shot. But exactly. I think Twitter would tell you otherwise. Like, <laughs> how dare you either A, mention race, or B, discuss it or joke about or you know. And that's where you and I, to be fair uh, to our friends on the right, would agree 100%. Those extreme lefties that, want, that, that have become the new fascists that are offended by everything, F them too. Right. Get oh, out of here. 100%. Now, those are closed-minded people. Yeah. Ironically, that circle has come all the way around, and now the two sides are touching. Those far-flung right. lefties are as closed-minded <laughs> as anybody. They're uh, sort of modern-day fascists. They cl- yeah. don't want comedians on college campuses because they find them offensive. Get out of here. Right. Yeah, funny story. I uh, was going through some old VHS tapes from college. Because I was telling you, I'm putting together the little yeah, documentary cool. about the trip, yeah, yeah. and I can't find the tape. So it is in doubt at the moment. But oh, that sucks. One VHS tape I found was um, me doing comedy on UK 
campus uh, 20 years ago. Wow. So like an open mic night? It was it was this weird thing. There was a comedian named Jeff Jenna, you may have heard of, it was kind of big in the yeah, like 80s, yeah, 90s. Yeah, I do remember him. And yeah. he did a workshop at UK. Oh, nice. And I had a buddy who was in comedy who we had met through comedy, and he said, Man, you should come up and do this workshop. It'll be fun. And it's like a two-hour training essentially with this comedian, practice some improv, and then you go on stage at the Wildcats den, you know, in front of a fairly full house and perform comedy so i think we all there was like maybe eight of us in there and we all got five minutes and we went up and did it so you remember getting a laugh yeah let people laugh the whole time it that's went very great. well it and, can't uh, be anything better than a laugh yeah it was great a, and uh, but there was a video of it and i didn't realize that still existed no so in trying to find the video for the of the road trip i found that so there's like an eight minute video of me doing stand-up nice. and i watched only the first 20 seconds and cringed and said, said oh no i've heard <laughs> of that so i'm gonna have to have a couple drinks and kind of <laughs> Because it's pretty cringeworthy. Then I do that every time I listen to this podcast. I'm like, (laughs) oh, Jesus. Yeah. Now, Dave Harrison, our buddy, who's not a small man, Dave um, tells two great stories. One is he was buying uh, breakfast for everybody at the radio station. So we went in, little high school girl behind the counter. Dave ordered 12 sausage biscuits and 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 an iced tea. And the kid said, for here to go. (laughs) <laughs> and he's like, come on. I know I'm a big guy, but Reggie's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But he did an open mic night, and he said that. He said, you know, everybody's into fitness and working out. He said, I've gone the other way. I help people. Uh, oh, wow, you are a young kid. He just yeah. showed me a picture. You're a young kid, cringeworthy. Yeah. He said, I've gone the other way. I'm helping people get And he had seen this guy in the audience who was a big man, so he already had this rehearsed. And he said, uh, I've gone the other way. I'm trying to help people get a little bit bigger. And there's my first client. And he said the place howled. Now the guy was probably pissed. Yeah. But he said, man, there's nothing like getting a laugh from the stage. Right. You know, here's the advantage to doing stand up comedy it, traditionally. And you hear guys tell stories about, you know, doing comedy at a strip club or something. But more often than not, like if people are going to a comedy club, they want to laugh like they want to sure. have a good time. Sure. So you're not typically going to find a shit audience unless you really come out with some bad stuff. Right. So, no, I was uh, when I did it, I thought, man, I could I could really do this because people are so generous with their laughter. Yeah. So and again, you know, maybe not opening for strippers, but. Well, that's uh, uh, I heard Leno. I heard uh, these comedians talking about their early days. Leno worked at a place called the Mineshaft, which was a strip club. I've heard this. And the guy guys had fucking they gave my headlight like a miner's light and he said they wanted nothing to do with they're shining at my eyes blinding me all they wanted was the women to come out but i've often said of a mutual acquaintance of ours who remains one i never want to say the funniest because three to five people that you could put them in but one of the three funniest people i've ever met in my life and 100 percent could have done stand up is mr cheney oh yeah I, todd I, cheney was a Freaking just hysterical dude. Yeah. With his voices, his imitations, his yeah. quick wit. I mean, very true. I'm a sneeze. Uh-oh. Uh, excuse that me. That sneeze brought to you by. Yeah. Who is it? Yeah, <laughs> do we mention sponsors or you got it covered in the yeah, commercials? We, yeah, we, well, we got it covered in the commercials, but we will certainly mention Tony, it I like your commercial. It's great. It is pretty good, right? It's great. Yeah. Now, there was a commercial that I came up with that he vetoed, which was a little bit more risque. Ah. But, yeah, which, you know, I kind of pushed for. But uh, but Tony wants to come on and do the show soon. Please. So, now, this is my thought. I, we've got a couple good working mics now. feels like our audio is going okay. Let's get Tony and Aaron up here. And then it's even, right? Like, it's nobody feels... Two on two? Two, two on one. And, you know, maybe the... We'll we'll have a little bit more uh, right representative on the show. Yeah, that's cool. It might be a fun conversation. I can take that, sure. So sounds good. We'll plan for that in the next few weeks. That's great. Nice. Um, let's see. Did you want to get into the uh, or any more uh, best or worst clips of the hundred episodes? No. Any how about thoughts? you? I didn't ask you. Uh, 
Well, we did have a guest that didn't wash his hands after he went oh, to the come bathroom on once, but uh, <laughs> that will remain anonymous. I'm not, I'm not saying any that names. Was funny, you were freaked out that day. Uh, you know what? Again, God, again, I've damn. said it. As I get older, I, I've gotten a little bit more germ conscious. You know, 25 when I was doing that stand up, I probably wouldn't have cared. But <laughs> I'm very conscious of that post pee with no hand wash handshake. Right? Oh, yeah. Thanks for having us on handshake. Oh, oh man, it was rough. So, yeah, no, but it's been a lot of fun. I, I, we owe so I mean, much there to were, Troy for that. There were some quality issues having nothing to do with anybody other than, oh, I'll tell you what, the show we did on our phones was absolutely <laughs> god-awful. Yeah, it was We bad. had this idea. I guess we were, maybe it was COVID or, no, nah, I don't think it was COVID. We were just without a studio. We wanted to rush a show. I and think we were in between studios. I don't know what number that show is, but you yeah. can skip it. Yeah. It, yeah in that between was, studios. Yeah. That was awful. That was rough. But no, I mean we've had you know Major League Baseball players on to right. talk about uh, stuff. Politicians, you know, politicians, performing comedians. We've we've got uh, yes, that's right. Uh, Rich coming on soon, uh, a Kentucky State politician yeah, to, to then, chat with uh, us real uh, quick. The gentleman who was really interesting, kind of dominated the show, but that was cool because he was so smart. Uh, Rick um, Shankman. Shankman. Yeah, that was a great show. Very smart. Yeah, guy. I remember my brother commenting on that show. Yeah. It was a, you know, and he and that was um, I don't know somewhere. So we're two years basically. We started August of twenty one. So he was on maybe spring of twenty two, and I remember him saying, um, "Trump will run again. Why would he not run again?" And at yeah. that time, I was thinking, "This fucker's not going to run again, is he?" But now <laughs> it's I mean, there's no doubt, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, he's the guy. Yeah. Nothing short of death is going to keep him out of that's uh, it. attempting to, to to run. Yeah, so, that's yeah, right. Hundred percent. Um, so here, I'll, let me give you two topics, and you can tell me which one sounds interesting enough for you to talk about. <laughs> there was some Jonah Hill text messages, and then I watched the Rock Hudson documentary on HBO. Oh, wow. Both interest me, so I thought I, I can throw either, or we can talk about both of those. Well, I mean, you know, Rock Hudson would have been more in line. You know, that was the 80s. The Jonah Hill thing, I had to text to really know what that was. So who's the woman he's with? I guess this was his previous girlfriend who was a surfer, you know, okay. professional surfer. Yeah. But he, he was, uh, he sent some stuff. But was it all that terrible, or was it more like a 1960s madman kind of take? Like he sort of was controlling of her, right? It felt like there was a little bit of control. But now this is sort of where I stand on that. I feel like that conversation, you know, out of the context of them talking could certainly be taken as like, well, that's pretty controlling. He doesn't want her to be friends with certain people yes. or he doesn't, you know, right. maybe. But isn't that a conversation anybody would have with a prospective girlfriend or boyfriend to, to see if you're going to get serious with somebody like, look, if you're posing nude, I don't know if I can handle that. So right. let's, you know, either, you know, if, if you're not willing to stop doing that, I may have to not be with you anymore. Right. So, I mean, yes. I mean, is there some controlling elements of that? And I guess. In a perfect world, everybody gets to be the exact same person they are when they're single, when they're hooked up. But there are some changes, right? Like sure. you do sort of have to – like you can't have your weekly date with your fuck buddy from high school, right? Like you do have to rein some things in. And that's what he was sa and saying? That, oh, I'm sorry. Well, that, that's my interpretation of it, right? Yeah. Like, again, to look at it on paper, you kind of think, man, that's a little bit dickish or a little bit like maybe he's trying to control And so who blew it up? The left started saying, oh, my God, this well, yeah, guy I think is it a was controlling right. freak. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, the left in that sort of nobody tells women anything. Right. How dare you right. kind of vein. Right. And nobody, you know, you're just an evil male – Bastard, yes, which where, we all are now, which which is fair. We are, but right. But again, I've my side with that on, on what Jonah Hill was saying, and again, I think part of it was his language that he was creating boundaries for himself, and people were mad because they feel like boundaries are like counseling speak, and he was using those those words against her. I just felt like, look, he was sort of just saying, look, my boundary is. 
I don't want you hanging out with these wild girls and going out to these parties if we're together because I struggle with that. And There are a lot of, uh, there's a name for them, but I won't think of, there's a lot of words that just um, ignite the left, aren't there? They've added so much to the lexicon, and boy, it gets exhausting. We do find a lot of shit to be mad about. Yeah, sure. I I mean, right has their grievance, but boy, certainly the left does as well, man. So so again, my thought was, is again, just an overreaction of the media. Like, if the man wants to tell his girlfriend, please don't pose naked in Playboy. Which she had done. No, I don't know. That's a, oh, for example. Oh, okay. I got you. Like, that's a conversation yeah. to be had, right? Like, if your wife said, Ray, I'm thinking about posing for Playboy, I think you might tell her, look, maybe you're fine with it, but maybe you're not. Maybe you're not comfortable that's, with the situation paying? like that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you call me Jewish. So, jo- so. so Jonah Hill and then and the other was, uh, oh, so Rock Hudson, were you familiar with the story? No, almost not at all. Oh, I mean, I, I, I was familiar enough that I, I knew he was an actor and I knew he died of AIDS. That's yeah. probably as oh, far yeah, as the, it the, got. The, the, you know, the hunky, uh, gorgeous uh, male movie star who had no interest in women None whatsoever, whatsoever, man. Yeah. Now think about his life, born what, in the, maybe 1930 or the 20s? Yeah. I mean, Jesus, Tristan, you're, you're literally a, a male pinup boy. Women are, are, are in love with you. Yeah. And, and you are... Uh, a gay man. Right. I'm not going to even make any pejorative out of it. Sure. But you got to live Good that life as this, you know, muscular guy who looks great on the beach and with no interest in women whatsoever. I mean, talk about, really, that's a life of, uh, uh, what's the word, of, of just extreme difficulty. It's got to be the saddest thing in the world to Sad live your life. whole you life go. not being able to. Now, by all accounts, at least in the documentary, he certainly enjoyed his gay life and was fine. But it was, was great friends with Ronald Reagan. With his wife more, back. I think, oh, with, according with, to the documentary. Okay, with the, but, yeah. but they were all actors together, yeah. Yeah, and uh, but no, it definitely certainly was not something he could have ever said in public. And even after his death, no, none of his friends would do an interview and say he was gay out of loyalty to him. Right. So it was years later, I guess, even after he died, before one of his friends said, no, the gay community needs to hear this. And, you know, trying to do it as a benefit and maybe made a few bucks. I don't know. But it was, uh, yeah, it was really strange. It was a, a strange thing. And... The like, I guess he was the first major famous person to die from the big AIDS epidemic. Yes. So once he did die, I guess he really made it a more real issue. And so like his death really probably led to, you know, all the advancements in treating AIDS. Well, Reagan was still in office, right? Right. And I think it prompted him to take a look at it. I mean, I think I Ronald think, Reagan went three or four years without uttering the word AIDS. Yeah. It was, well, I mean, you were a kid, uh, not of, uh, you wouldn't even remember it. Tris, and I remember it well. I mean, it, people don't understand the severity. I mean, you think he went through, which we did go through a, 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 an amazing uh, psychological thing with, with uh, uh, COVID. Yeah, thank you. But that AIDS epidemic, like in the early to mid 80s, Tristan, and of course it was, uh, you had people like Jerry Falwell saying this was God's retribution for homosexuality yeah and you know you're watching these guys wither away and it was just awful with no treatment for them i mean just golly and and reagan conservative man not even paying attention this was something in san francisco these fags screw them you know yeah just awful it was his death did help to right point some fingers and spotlight and and really did yeah took it Made it real for for a lot of people, I think. Made it real. And, there you go. And yeah, and I think there was a, a part in the the documentary at the end when he was in a hospital in France, sort of kind of on his last leg with AIDS, and uh, they actually asked uh, Nancy or Ronald to intervene to help him get moved to a different hospital. And for some reason, with it, due to international law, they kind of needed some help. And 
They wouldn't. They, they like, I guess, just due to the fact that I mean, as a conservative and at that time, PR. would would have just looked bad. And he, the, they refused to help him at all. See, so he, he had to charter a plane, I guess, to get back to the states mm. for half a million dollars mm. because they knew he had AIDS. So nobody was willing to get him back. So it was a, it was a crazy crazy time and fascinating. Even though yeah, I lived through, I guess, all of it and just being so you young were alive for it. But yeah, yeah, it was uh, man, amazing how horribly these people were treated. Oh my god! And exactly, it was just looked at like you know, fuck you, you're gay, and you know whatever happens, that's happens. All, that's what it was. Yeah, I mean, it really was uh, until that community marshaled and said, "Well, fuck you, you got to deal with it because this is some real shit." Yeah, and then it did start, you know, it, it, did, it did start working its way into into the heterosexual community as well. And I apologize. We've got these windows open. I sneezed before. I've heard myself do that a few times on the air. It's, something obviously crawled in through the window. But all right, Tris, um, I am on a hard time today because I've got to get back and, and meet with somebody. And uh, Ray and I are heading up tomorrow to New York State where pa- Patty uh, said to me, um, buy some water. So they've had horrible flooding up in there. And I guess the grocery store shelves are bare. Oh, wow. Yeah, she wanted me to bring up as many cases of bottled water as I could. Unbelievable. Isn't that funny, yeah. yeah, yeah, wow. So I've got a question for you. I mean, uh, we've not we're not known for our segues, so this is a right. complete segue to, <laughs> right. to nothing, non sequitur. Now I haven't found the answer to this online, and I know you are more politically involved than I am, so maybe you can answer this. And I mentioned um, Tom, Tommy Tuberville. Is oh that yeah, right, the senator from Alabama. How does he unilaterally have the power to stop military appointments? Because I would assume it's a Senate appointment. Yeah. So I think it's called a hold. I think that's technically the term. And every senator has the power to invoke a hold. But it's kind of like the filibuster, Tristan, in that it was used very limited for the first 200 years of the country. And over the past 30 or 40 years, it's been used as a weapon. And that's not the intent. The intent was to perhaps take a pause and look at it a little bit further. But now it's being used as a political tool, which he's doing because I believe it has to do with if you are a military person, the military, i.e. government, will pay for you to go to another state. So if you're stationed at Fort Hood in Texas and they've got a terribly um, um, narrow abortion law that basically bans abortion and the, the army would pay for you to go to Illinois where it's still legal. And Tuberville thinks that that is the government paying for abortion, which I think is the Hyde Amendment that, that that's, cert- that's illegal. Right. And so he's using a very narrow scope to say that that's what I'm opposed to. So I'm going to hold up these nominations. So the Marine Corps is now without a commandant for the first time in 100 years. Which is probably because of Tommy Tuberville. Yeah. Not the very best thing for our military chain of command or our strength around the world, I would imagine. So, no. And again, I knew who and what he had stopped. I just didn't know that senators unilaterally had the power to do that. Yeah, I think it's I called a hold. I would have thought it would have been a vote. So now, there's no expiration on the hold? There's not, but there's also no, uh, there's nothing binding about it. So it can be ignored. Y- okay. You can move on. Yeah. But what happens is that causes a lot of friction that you don't want. You know, the Senate is supposed to be the most gentlemanly body or gentlemanly woman body of politics in right. the entire world. That's how they advertise themselves. Yeah. The Congress is a little bit more no-holds-barred, bare-knuckle fighting. Senate is supposed to be the refined. It's almost the House of Commons and the right. House of exactly. Lords. Yeah. We don't call it that, but that's what it is. Sure. So in the House of Lords, you want refined you know, representation. You don't want fisticuffs. Yeah. So they typically 
honor the hold, but but it's also incumbent upon the person who invokes the hold to at some point say, okay, I made my point and now exactly. it's off. Yeah. You get a right-wing zealot, he may not do that. Yeah, which apparently is what's going on right now. And did you see what he said yesterday? Well, the White House hasn't reached out. If they would just call me, if I'm Joe Biden, fuck you. I don't have to call you. Right. You're the one holding this up. You call me. Yeah. If you want to talk, it's not up to me. I'm the president. You're a senator. I, I know we're basically equal, but I'm still the president. Yeah. I'm not reaching out to you. If you want to make an appointment to come and talk to me in the office, Oval Office, I'll entertain you. But yeah. I'm not calling you. True. Well, and it's not a great opportunity. big for- balls, right? Yeah. Well, Joe Biden hasn't called me. <laughs> Fuck you. Also, this guy's saying a lot of pretty positive things about white nationalists, too, which is, I mean, he's pretty uber right wing. Like he's, oh, he's uber right wing. Yeah. He's, he's not probably, probably the not a common ground right. searching guy. Well, no, McConnell has, again, because it's a gentleman's game, McConnell has treaded lightly around it by like, well, I don't necessarily agree with Senator Tuberville. I kind of wish he'd do things. But he hasn't said, man, this guy's a kook. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Tough to do. <laughs> so. As we close, I'll bring the mood down a little bit. I lost oh, no. my dog of 15 years. Oh, the the, the paralyzed dude? Yeah. Uh, when did he pass? Uh, Thursday. What was his name? Suge. Ah, sh- that's right. Yeah. yeah. Ah, that sucks. Had, did he go years. out peacefully? Yeah, we, we took him uh, to the emergency it clinic and, too and bad. we put him down. Well, no, he was fine. Um, he was fine on the 4th of July, which was Tuesday. He was fine on Wednesday, Thursday night. We kind of went out to play with him, and he wasn't right. Mm. And I was like, well, and he wasn't eating. And I said, well, this is really weird. Mm. So we just sprinted him up to the emergency vet. And they were just, based on his age and his paralysis and the fact that something had obviously happened, maybe a stroke-type situation or something, they were like, we can try, but it's going to be miserable for him. He'll be here for weeks. And they were like, we highly recommend letting him get ah, That's said, a miserable yeah. day. Yeah. Did you cry? Worst. Oh God! Yeah, just stop before the show started. Yeah, I'm. Uh, that sucks. Pretty, man. pretty weak when it comes so to how, uh, animals. Anybody with them, or do they take them in and you just? They give you the option. So we we sat with him while they did it. You did and, and petted him. Wow, well, good for you, know, you man. They took him out. So. That's cool. Yeah. That's got to be hard as hell. Yeah, it's oh. not, not the easiest thing. No, yeah. no, it's not. Second time that I've pet a dog while he was put down uh, I, I can't imagine and I, of course humans are fine but with do- with dogs they're so consistently lovable right. and good right you know unlike any is- other animal really yeah no, i mean they Certainly. really are fully domesticated well fuck you see this yeah okay you see arm that? scratches yeah that's not a scratch so <laughs> patty is arm gone. wounds uh, so so this damn cat we've got a big male maine coon uh, callaway he's a big fucker Probably fourteen pound cat, and he's still got some feral in him. And you don't, you never know. This guy can be ter- completely loving with her, lay on her chest, uh, sit on her lap. But with me, he turn on a dime. He even has <laughs> with her. I'm petting this son of a bitch the other day in bed next to me because he's missing Patty. She's already up in New York State, and I'm there. And this fuck out of nowhere just opens his entire mouth. Oh, that's, a, that's a bite from a cat. Wow. Those are puncture wounds. He just opens oh, his mouth God. and grabs me. That's and huge. I just get the hell. And so now I'm locking him out of the room. Fuck you. I, <laughs> like my buddy Paul, he's got a couple of dogs, three cats. None of them go in the bedroom, yeah. which I think is great. I know you keep your dogs outside. Well, somehow outside this outside. cat has come into the bedroom and he's a pain in the ass. Ugh. Like he takes more of the bed than me and he, and he growls at you when you try to move him. <laughs> yeah. But he did. I'm just out on that. Completely unsolicited, he bit my arm. 
Wow. Isn't that crazy? Cats are not dogs, man. They They're are not, not dogs. There's, yeah. Well, Brielle says, my daughter, who's an animal lover, has three cats, says that dogs are 100% domesticated, hence the unconditional love. There is no cat that's ever 100% domesticated. There's yeah. always a feral streak. You get about 80, is, 90, right? Which is why you can throw your fucking cat out, and he's going to survive. Right. She's going to survive. Your yeah. dog, nah, <laughs> a couple days, he may be done, right? Yeah, that, yeah. that's it. So yeah, so rest in peace, Shug. Yeah, rest in peace, Shug. And I'm sorry you had to go through that. That is <laughs> yeah. a miserable week. I mean, and you sign up for it when you get these little bastards, and you know it's coming at some point. But it doesn't make it any easier when it God does no. hit. It, oh, it's, it's just a it's nightmare. So. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. And I don't have comedy, and I do have to cut this short. So thank you for a hundred shows, yeah, Tristan. But I did throw something together. Please, so yeah, I please. will. I will give you. Um, this is top 10 surprising things that I've learned about Ray during 100 oh, no. episodes. So I thought God. I'd give you a little shit. So, okay. so yeah, th- thanks to Troy uh, for everything. And he's got some big stuff coming up that we're going to start promoting next week. Tony, we do epoxy. Berea Pond, Dad's Flooring, BuckshotandLead.com. Uh, Nate with Stoveleg Media, uh, National Boomer Podcast, and uh, Dad's Flooring, of course. And hey, Jones Brothers, who I met with again today. So Thank you guys, all, guys. We appreciate you yeah, all. Yeah, Jones Boys are good dudes. Really good dudes. And they're balling. So. Oh, okay. yeah. Top yes, 10 surprising things that I've learned about Ray during the two years oh, and 100 God. episodes here. Uh, number 10, he never tells the same story twice. <laughs> Maybe four or five times, but never <laughs> twice. <laughs> number nine, and this is a surprise, mm. Ray didn't actually grow up in New Jersey. <laughs> it was West Virginia. <laughs> Did not Pikeville. Know that. P- Pikeville, yeah. <laughs> Number eight, Ray's favorite animal, actually a unicorn. Ah. I wasn't aware of that until yes, a show we did. That is true. Number seven, uh, Ray, and this is kind of mean, I thought, but Ray has a deep hatred of the Special Olympics. It's <laughs> kind of sad. That's not cool. And <laughs> That's not cool at all. Uh, number six, Ray actually coined the phrase, closer kin, deeper in. I did not know that. So, <laughs> it's a weird thing to come up with. Uh, number five, Ray is a surprisingly good kisser. <laughs> number four, Ray was actually a little sad when we captured Bin Laden. <laughs> so I thought, weird. <laughs> uh, surprising facts about Ray that I've God. learned over 100 episodes. Number three, Ray's first kiss was Kellyanne Conway. Mm. How was that? Oddly attractive. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> number two, Ray doesn't care which bathroom transgender men and women use. As long as when it's time to go, they let him watch. <laughs> and the number one thing I've learned about Ray in 100 episodes, Ray doesn't care which bathroom gender normative people use. As long as when it's time to go, they let him yeah, watch. Let him watch, yes. Because when it comes to watching people in the bathroom, Ray has no bias. <laughs> here we go. Thank you How for that, that, Tristan. You're and welcome. That, that's only, you can only learn that sitting here for right. hours. You would not, I would not you have known that working at Wallingford or just, uh, you know, in Galaxy. This is stuff that came out over the course 100 of... 100 shows is probably 200 hours. That's a lot of hours. A lot of hours, man. That's a lot of time. Still a long way from 10,000. That's why we still suck at this. But thanks to everybody. Have a great week. And I think next week we'll do a, an interview show. I'll take a break, and then we'll get together in two weeks, and maybe we can start working in some guests. Yeah, sounds good. Looking forward to it. All right. Have a great week, Hey, Chris. you too, Ray. Take thanks. care. Thanks. Bye-bye. See you. Hi, this is Tony with We Do Epoxy, and I'm looking for ugly floors. I mean, so ugly, dirt won't stick to it. 
We can take your ugly garage, basement, porch, or patio and turn it into a work of art in just a couple of days. Is your garage floor so ugly you keep the door closed to prevent anyone from seeing it? We do Epoxy Can Fix That. Stop living with ugly concrete. Call me today at 859-582-7920. That's Tony at 859-582-7920. Hello. According to our research, you like podcasts. Well, if you have a passion, mission, or story, you should have your own podcast. And I have a resource you might be interested in. Go to frontporchstudios.com slash products and services. You'll see how Front Porch Studios can help you enter the world of podcasting. Again, that's frontporchstudios.com slash products and services. Thank you for your time. Goodbye.